All right, let's pray. Lord, we just come before you today thankful for who you are, what you've done, and what you've given us. And so as the words come out of my mouth, Lord, let them flow like milk and honey from you. And anything that I am be sorted as chaff. So Lord, I give this time to you. And just let us soak in your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we talked last week on deliverance, and we were given strategy about what we need to do to attack, what we need to do to achieve true deliverance, and we, and we received examples like we talked about um, in the Bible. So today, I'm going to preach on faith. And so I was just talking with the Lord, kind of going, all right, Lord, so we have the weapon, which is the Word of God, to go after deliverance, to go after our heart, and to cut out strongholds. But what is it that gives us the strength to wield that sword? What gives us the courage to wield that sword? And the word faith came up, and so I said, okay, I'm going to I'm going to start looking up, up faith things in the Bible. And, and I happened to read one, one section, which is, uh, we'll go to Matthew 17, 14. So this is a, another corresponding verse that's in, or section that's in Mark as well. So I happened to read here. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting." So it's one of my favorite verses to understand, to, to be given strategy to deliverance is, you know, prayer and fasting. Those are two integral parts to a deliverance. So, but this is the only section here where Jesus says, talks about the mustard seed faith. Even in Mark, it gives different wording, but there's no mustard seed context. And so I said, okay, where, why... The mustard seed. You know, if, if you're looking at these, these, how small it is to be able to move such a thing, how, and, and if I haven't yet moved a mountain, how do I get, grow my faith? And so I kind of just set, set, set a goal for myself to kind of understand what is faith, what is faith in general, what is the definition, you know, that sort of thing. So if we understand something, that faith is alive. It is a living, breathing thing. 
faith is alive. And James 2, go to James 2. <clears throat> We're going to look at James 2, 17. We'll read it six or 14 first. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So faith is a living thing. It needs to be working in order to continue living. You know, go to 2 Thessalonians 1. And you're looking at 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, because as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. Your faith grows exceedingly. It's a growing thing. Just like wielding a weapon is a growing thing. David, if we go to the David versus Goliath, David was a young boy. He tended the sheep. He went and said, I will take on Goliath for you because he, he taunts the armies of the living God. And Saul says, well, here, take my armor, take my weapon, take my swords, you know, all these things. And David goes, I haven't worn these. I haven't practiced with these. I can't use these. So he takes the tools with which he has use of and, ha and knows and defeats Goliath. As David grows older, he becomes accustomed to armor, to weapons, to all these things. So you need to grow this faith into something that is usable. That can do the things that the Lord says. And so you understand in James 1, verse 3, we'll start in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So understand that your faith will be tested, can be tested, needs to be tested in order to grow. If you're not being tested, guess what? You have a dead faith. So you need to be tested in order for your faith to grow. Just like in school, if you have a test, it's a test to make sure you've retained the information that you've been uh, given. So it's a living thing. It's, it can be tested. You need to grow it. But here's, here's something that's interesting. If you go to Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is believing in things that are unseen. So where do we war? We war not with principalities, but with spiritual things. So faith isn't in what you see, 
It's what you don't see. It's the moving of the Spirit in the spiritual realm. It's God moving. You see evidence of God all around you. But seeing the workings of God, God works behind the scenes. You know, you don't see all the people in, behind the scenes of a play making something happen. You just see the actors and go, that was really good. And you can appreciate the talent and the skills of the actors. But you don't understand the whole hard work until you get behind the scenes. So look behind the curtain with faith and you'll see just what he's doing. And if you go to Mark 10.52... Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So do you understand that it's not anything else that makes you well? Except your faith. Your faith makes you well. Your faith makes you whole. Knowing that he has the power to do it. You know, people came to Jesus far and wide, believing, having faith that, you know, their neighbor Jedediah said, dude, dude, there's this guy walking through, you know, Galilee, healing people. You know, your kid's crippled. Bring him to him. He'll heal him. That's faith. He's operating in faith to go. In In the mustard seed parable, The man operated in faith, coming to the disciples first, then to Jesus. So we understand that it's only faith that makes you well. So that's what faith is. It's a living, breathing, growing thing that needs to be nurtured, needs to be tested, needs to be cared for in order to make you well. And so then we go, what is is the hindrance of faith. And I've said this before that Satan and demons are not our enemy. They're not the greatest enemy. Sin is our greatest enemy. That is what keeps us away from the Lord. If faith is growing, it's not Satan that's hindering our faith, it's our own laziness. But here I'm going to tell you there's three things that get in the way. Three major things. Doubt gets in the way. Self-righteousness gets in the way. And money get in the way. Okay? These are the three main killers, enemies of faith. So we'll look at doubt. Romans 14.1 Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things, okay? You don't bring me into a debate about molecular (laughs) whatever, molecular anything, because I don't know anything. I don't know about that. So just like a weak faith, a young faith, you don't bring them in to heady theological discussions. Because all you're going to do is destroy them. You're going to hinder their faith. You're going to confuse them. So that's a charge against those that have been walking in the faith a long time. 
Matthew 21, 21. So Jesus answered and said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So you have to have faith in order to do this, but you can't doubt. Doubt negates faith. I believe God can do this, but the but negates what you believe. So just like we've been saying, if you believe, we believe that God can heal us, yet we don't believe he can fully heal us. That's not faith. You're not operating in the fullness of faith. You're operating in, with the hindrance of doubt. Doubt kills a living thing. Doubt kills dreams. You know, if you tell your kid, your kid comes to you and says, Dad, I want to be an astronaut. And I say, yeah, you're, you're not going to be an astronaut. You know, the, ast the, the, the chances of you becoming an astronaut are of... of professional athlete are so slim buddy that you know even if you played hard and and had hard work and even if you were actually semi good the chances of you being a professional athlete or an astronaut or whatever are slim to none i would crush him i would kill those dreams i would kill the faith in himself to be able to accomplish these things the same thing if you doubt it kills your faith it kills any act of faith that you would want to attempt because you know you, you have talked yourself into and convinced yourself that it won't work. And if we go to James 1.6, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you have doubts, you aren't with the Lord. You aren't in step with the Lord. You are a double-minded man. That's the chief one. Doubt is the faith killer. If Satan comes to you and, 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 or even revealed himself or demons revealed themselves to you, you know what that would do? That would test your faith and all of a sudden it would strengthen it. So what does he do? He just feeds you little doubts. You can't do this. Now, are you sure? Are you sure? It's the faith killer. Then we have self-righteousness. Self-righteousness kills this. If you go to Mark 11.22, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you ask... 
Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. Another person's self-righteousness can destroy faith. How many times, or how I have heard so many stories of a Christian being addressed by another self-proclaimed Christian and saying, oh, that person would have been healed if you had just had more faith. If you had just prayed harder, if you had just done more, your dad would still be alive. Your mom would still be alive. Your family member would still be alive. If you had just prayed harder, that destroys faith. That destroys the faith of another person. Who are you to judge someone else's faith? Who are you to judge someone else's salvation? You weren't given authority by the Lord to judge either of those. You're given authority to judge fruits. But in in that self-proclaimed Christian self-righteousness, he thinks he knows the will of God. A self-righteous person will use this verse and twist it to their own perversion to condemn somebody who just lost. So, so it's the lies, it's lying, a self-righteous lie, a self-righteous twisting of the words of the Lord that twists the truth to crush the faith of someone else especially in a weakened state. That's the best time to use the truth, a twisted truth, against somebody. All right, and so the third thing that's a faith killer is money. And if you go to 1 Timothy 6.10... For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. For the love of money they have forsaken the faith. They have strayed from the faith. It is a faith killer. So we have doubt, we have self-righteousness and twisting of lies or twisting of truths. And we have money. All right, so we know what faith is. We know what is a faith killer. But how do we, how do we use faith? How do we operate in faith? How do we, what is the proper way to employ faith. And so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide by faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So I'll read from 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. 
I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. For now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So in order to use faith, you need to have these three things. You need to have faith, you need to have hope, and you need to have love. Faith is the hope in things unseen. Without hope, operating with faith, you can't see what is unseen. But in order to employ those two, you need to have love. You need to abide in love in order to operate in a faith and hope. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. So do it in love, but in order to use the faith, you need to be strong and you need to be brave. Be steadfast. That means unmoving, unshakable. It's easy to be strong and brave when you are operating in love. If you're in a loving relationship, with a spouse, with family members. You're brave enough to be able to withstand a lot of things. Temptations, you know, doubts, fears. You're all able to push those aside. So, you need, so in order to use the faith, you need to be operating in the love of God. You need to understand the love of God. You need to be surrendered to the love of God in order to be steadfast, to be strong, and to be brave in the faith. You need to have that solid foundation of love from Him. And in order, again, we're going to go back to James 2.17. In order... To use faith, it needs to be a living faith. It can't be dead. It needs to be a living, breathing, growing thing. You can't use a dead faith. You're not fooling anyone. We all are fakers and pretenders at some point. We can spot a faker a mile away. And so somebody who's pretending or has a dead faith, somebody's going to call you out on it or just not listen to you. Even though you're speaking great things and truths, if you're not operating in it, if you're, you have no fruits from it, it's a dead faith. 
And I'm not even saying operating as an usher or a, a greeter at a church. That's not a work. Any sinner's gonna any sinner will with manners will hold the door for you. Will say, hey, welcome to my house. We're talking full-blown worshiping the Lord, teaching, evangelizing, the full-blown gifts out of love. If you're not if you're not doing those things, it's a dead faith. Because you really don't understand the love of God. And if you understood the love of God, the, the world changes. You know, you love your parents. If you love your parents and they love you, you do things for each other. So if you love God, you would want to do things for Him that He asks you to do in the Word. And then one of my favorite verses and sections is Ephesians 6. And so... We'll look at verse 12. Do you understand that for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places? So, in the unseen, we don't war in the flesh, we war in the unseen. If you don't have faith, you're not going to be able to war properly. If you don't believe there are demons, you can't war, you, there's nothing to war against. But this is what he says when you're putting on the armor of God, the armor of salvation. Above all, verse Ephesians 6:16, 6, above all Above all, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Not some of the darts, not most of the darts, all of the darts. Above all, before you take up the word of God, before you take up the belt of salvation, before you take up these things, the breastplate of righteousness, you got to pick up faith. With faith, you can move mountains. With faith, you can walk on water. If you don't have faith, if you don't pick it up, everything else is useless. So in order to use faith, you need to pick it up, not let it die, let it flounder. 
It is a useful tool. The, all the fiery darts, extinguish all the fiery darts of the enemy. Which is pretty good because the enemy is unseen for the most part. He doesn't really manifest himself much in the physical. You see his workings in the physical, but you don't see him. But he's throwing darts at you that you can't see. And if you don't have faith to believe that you should be warring against this, that you should be protecting against these things, you're not extinguishing anything. So you're just taking body blows. So all these things, right? We went over faith, that it is a living, breathing, growing thing. And you need to nurture it as such. That the enemies of faith, the killers of faith, are doubt, self-righteousness, and twisting of truths. And money. Faith, hope, and love. That's what you need to operate. But so the question then remains, how, how do I grow my faith? How do I grow my faith into a mustard seed that can move mountains? How do I grow it into more that I can do more? Because a mustard seed is so tiny. Why would you want to keep a tiny faith? Why wouldn't you want to grow it more and more? Because then you're just quitting. And you're saying that the mustard seed is only as big is, is the biggest thing that God can get my faith to. No. Testing. Testing is going to grow your faith. But so how do we grow our faith? Romans 10, 17. So then, faith comes by hearing. But not just hearing. Here we go. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if you are not hearing the word of God, you can't grow your faith. And hearing is an action, right? It's taking in what you are hearing, processing it, and then putting it into action. So if you're just hearing it and not processing it, you got a dead faith because it's not growing. If you're hearing it and processing it, but you're not executing it, you got a dead faith. It's all of the above. Everything. It operates as one. Hearing, processing, execution. But just because somebody's not healed doesn't mean your faith is off. It means their faith could be off. Their faith isn't great enough. Because Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well. Jesus had enough faith to heal him, 
But in that instance, so did the man. The man had enough faith to believe that Jesus would heal him. We have to hear. You have to hear the Word of God. If you are not in the Word of God, you're not hearing. You're not even listening. You're nothing. Get in the Word of God. Hear what it says to you. Take it into your heart. Take it into your heart. Process it. And act on it. Act on what the Word says. The more you hear, the more you process, and the more you do, it's going to grow your faith. When you start to see healings, when you start to see, and a healing doesn't have to be, oh, I broke my leg, now I can walk again. You can see a broken person crying. A hurting person. And you speak the life that you have heard and processed and understand that this is the time to place that love in faith and they receive it, they're healed. Their spirit can start to heal. It can start the healing process. But faith starts first by hearing. And then we go to Jude. Twenty and twenty-one. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, and look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Love. Keep yourself in the love, praying, praying in the Spirit. Grows your faith. Staying in the love grows your faith. And looking for the mercy. If you're looking for God's mercy in your life, You're looking for those miracles. You're looking for those things unseen and you're seeing the manifestations of it. You got a late bill payment and you don't know how you're going to pay for it. But you know that God loves you. You're trusting that His mercy abounds and that He's going to do what He says He would do. And somebody walks up and says, here's $2,000, pay your bills. You could just be like, oh, that guy's a nice person. That was really generous of them. But if you are looking for the mercy, you are seeing the manifestation and the truth of what he says he would do. And you know what that does? That builds your faith. That grows your faith. If you don't have enough money to buy a loaf of bread, and a gallon of milk. But you know that God loves you. You know that He said He would take care of you. And in faith you go to buy one. 
and He, in over an abundance of love and mercy, gives you, you find enough money to buy 10 of each that grows your faith. So you need all these things. You need to operate in prayer. You need to operate in the love and you need to look for His mercies and that's going to grow your faith. You can't understand His mercy if you don't understand His love. You can't pray if you don't understand His love. All those three things are necessary for faith to grow. If you're praying, but you're not looking for the mercy, how's it going to build? All three of these things, a healthy faith, a growing faith, they're like the vitamins and the nutrients that he needs. You need to be praying. You need to be living in the love. You need to be looking for the mercy. All these things culminate into a healthy, growing, living faith. And so if you have faith, you can believe that you can be set free. All those three things, and love, and hope, help grow your faith. But you have to hear the Word of God. If you're hearing the Word of God, you're knowing what He's saying about you, about your situation, and about what He's going to do with that. Faith is the antithesis of seeing is believing. Faith is the hope in things unseen. Jesus was never the flashy guy. You know, when he raised children from death to life, he didn't do it in front of a whole crowd. He took the parents behind a closed door and brought her to life. God doesn't always do flashy things. Sometimes He does do it in the unseen, behind the scenes. And with faith, you have to look for it. It's going to give you the opportunity to see it. If you're looking for His mercy, you're going to find it. If you're looking for His love, you're going to find it. If you're looking in the Word of God to hear from Him, you're going to hear. Search for me and I will draw closer to you is what He says. So look for His mercy and you're going to find it. Look for His love, you're going to find it. Pray for things and you're going to find it. but operate in the hope. Operate in love. 
and it's going to grow your faith. You are going to be able to extinguish all the darts of the enemy. And some of those darts could be doubt. Could be twisting of truths. Could be money. But faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, conquers all. You may not be able to move physical mountains, but I have seen God move emotional mountains. I've seen Him lay waste to a mountainous landscape and bring it flat so that it was easy ground. I've seen him do things that I never thought he would, he, I would believe. And he's done them with me. So I could even equate that to walking on water. Walking on water seems impossible. But faith that he is who he says he is. Let me do that. So faith is important in this this whole deliverance cycle. If you don't have the faith in the faith to be delivered, to be healed, you won't get healed. It's your faith that makes you well. It's your faith that makes you well. If you're hurting, if you're broken, it's your faith that makes you well. So cultivate faith. Cultivate it. Treat it as it is. A living, breathing, growing operation of Christ in your life. Don't let it die. Don't let it be lukewarm. Let it be flourishing. Let it be bearing fruit. Because that's what it does. A dead faith doesn't attract people. A dead faith gets cut from the vine and burned. A living faith gets pruned to grow and bear more fruit. So count it as blessing when your faith is tested. Because God wants to grow it more, to do more amazing things with you. To show you more amazing things. To show you more things of the unseen. So Lord, we come before you thankful that you still speak, that you still talk to us. So let us hear your words. 
Let us process them and let us put them into action. Let our faith grow. in more ways than we could ever imagine. Let us bear fruit like we've never borne fruit before. And just like Hebrews 11 with the hall of faith, we've seen the testimonies of what faith could do. And I ask, Lord, that our names be added to that hall of faith. And I thank you for your love. And I thank you for your mercy. And in these things I pray. In your son's precious name. Amen.